0: Well, first of all, it's nice to see uh, so many people on here today. I know many of you I've represented um, or somebody in my office has represented over the years. And today we're gonna talk about adjusting your estate plan. Um, and really when I was just getting ready for this, I thought, you know, your retirement years really um, under uh, underneath Uncle Sam's tax hat. And so, you know, today is just designed to keep you informed about what's going on, what we're hearing and where we think uh, we should go. And for everybody, it's a good time to think about your own estate plan and does that work? Is there anything you're going to want to do? And I've already started talking to some clients um, about, you know, making gifts, taking some action based on this. And I've talked to some clients that don't want to. Um, And so today we're just going to kind of talk about, hey, here's where it's at. Um, Here's where we think it's going. And um, I'm happy to answer any questions. You're welcome to put the questions in the chat as I go forward. Kyle, you'll have to let me know if somebody has a question. I'm happy to stop and address that. The issue is um, when I share my screen and uh, I can't see the chat too. So (laughs) Uh, my computer can only do so many things at once. But when we think about this, um, we think about tax law changes and what the process is. I think of being on the roller coaster at Knoebels or Hershey. And they always say, you know, keep your seatbelt fastened until it's reached a complete stop. And I just want everybody to know what we're going to talk about today is a proposal. It is not the law, um, but there's some things that could take effect immediately when the law is changed. And that's why we want to give some people some time to think about it. Um, And in order to do this, what I'm first going to do is I'm going to talk about What was President Biden's, like, what was his platform that he was running on? What did we think might happen? What were the things? And then we're going to talk about, interestingly, some of what I think comes out of the tax law or this proposal is what's not included. So we're going to talk about what's not included. And then we're going to talk about what the proposal said. And please know that proposal does get changed. And I'll try to point out to you um, things that are changed. Um, that at least we've heard um, have been negotiated out or changed throughout this process even so far. But remember that this proposal came out of um, the House Ways and Means Committee um, September 13th, and um, it, it has to get through the House and through the Senate getting through the House, probably not all that difficult. The Senate, a little bit more negotiation. Um, We haven't heard a huge amount about it uh, because they were, you know, the debt ceiling was happening, the infrastructure bill, and so there's other things happening there. But this isn't totally stalled, um, and we do expect it to move forward in some time. So everybody, remember, keep your seatbelt fastened until we come to a complete stop. What we're gonna do is talk about an overview of the general tax updates. And this is anything from income tax to estate tax. And really what I want you to think about is how does this affect you wherever you're at in your, in your life, um, in your retirement planning moving forward? So first, what I wanna talk about is President Biden's tax agenda, at least what he ran on. And then we're gonna look at that versus what came out of the House Ways and Means Committee um, because I think that's really helpful Uh, to let us know what are what are some things that are off the table, maybe, Um, because even though I think this will change, I don't think that things that were off the table will be added on. I'd be surprised. So I'll give specific examples about that. So with agenda, uh, Biden's agenda, his plan um, that he ran on was to raise three point three trillion dollars over the next 10 years. and collect about 2.8 trillion um, in what we would call macroeconomic effects. Um, now that all of this stuff comes out of the Tax Foundation General Equilibrium Model, which is also what we'll talk about for the proposal. Um, and the idea there, though, is that that would have um, reduced our gross domestic profit by 1.62% over the long term. So more money. Uh, less uh, gross domestic profit uh, moving product, I'm sorry, moving forward. So um, really during the primaries, uh, Biden really pushed for the wealth tax. Um, He, uh, the other candidates did I'm sorry, um, Biden didn't so much do that. In fact, what he mostly said is that he just wouldn't raise tax on anybody that made, uh, that was making less than $400,000. And that was what he pretty much consistently said throughout. Um, he was not a proponent of Medicare for all. Uh, he favored keeping and improving Ob- Obamacare. He wanted to eliminate income tax cap on premium credits. Um, so basically families that purchased um, were able to um, get that uh, credit as a result of that. Um, you know, so some of this stuff with, with these income tax changes, you can see on the screen, the things that he was kind of thinking about. And again, we sent you this PowerPoint. I don't, it's not my job to really wanting to go through every single point. So there will be times that I might just kind of move on. Um, because again, this is just what his proposal was at this point in time. But interestingly, there you see, um, they definitely wanted to revert the top income tax rate for um, income over above $400,000 from 37%, which was the current law. to 39.6%. The long-term capital gains and qualified dividends want to tax tax at 39.6%. So capital gains are things that you pay tax on when you like sell real estate, when you sell stocks and bonds, Um, So if somebody is liquidating something, if somebody's selling a business, if they're taking money out of their stock portfolio to live off of. So really important, the capital gains tax rate really means a big deal to people um, in retirement, looking for retirement or people who are sick or who are wanting to and needing to liquidate things. So important. Also wanted to eliminate the step up in basis um, for inherited assets. So if you bought, you know, Land for $100,000, and you pass away, and it's worth $400,000. The basis steps up from that $100,000 to $400,000 when you pass away. It's called the step-up in basis at death, and um, really, that was one of the things that President President Biden really wanted to eliminate. Now. I was really concerned about that, to be honest with you, because a lot of people don't know what their basis is, and we go back to the last person somebody died and pick up the basis at that time to figure out what what basis people had in it, Um, and I've done that more than once in my career, and so interestingly, that's been tried twice, at least in my knowledge um, in in the years that I've been doing this um, in history, and um, it's been repealed both times, there was definitely a push that we could ha- now be done because there was a thought that people kept track of their basis better because of uh, because of computers. But be that as it may, um, so this is you know again just showing us some of the income tax changes that President Biden was was really wanting: um, phasing out of the Section 199A qualified business income tax deduction, so you can expense things instead of depreciating them; expands the child independent care tax credit. Uh, for a maximum of 3000 in qualified expenses to 8000 um, And again, temporarily increasing the child tax credit to $3,000 per child um, and $3,600 for children if they're under the age of six years old, uh, making it refundable in advance during the pandemic um, moving forward. Also, we heard a lot about forgiving uh, student debt. Uh, obviously, we've heard also about, you know, free community college, um, you know, uh, just moving forward with, with any of these types of things um, for 2021, as long as the economic conditions required, increasing the tax child tax credit from a maximum of 2000 to $3,000, um, making that fully refundable. So um, we see a lot of different things. Um, we also see reestablishing the first-time homebuyers tax credit, uh, which was help, originally created to help the a housing market, giving $15,000 uh, for first-time homebuyers. Increasing tax benefits to elderly who pay for long term care insurance with their retirement savings. Um, So interestingly, that's, you know, it's been adopted in some states. Washington being a state uh, that actually gave quite a bit of tax credits for people that were paying for their long term care insurance with their retirement savings. It's a uh, push by the government to get us to self-insure in some ways. Uh, A new $5,000 tax credit for informal caregivers, family members, or other loved ones providing long-term care to the elderly. Caregivers would be allowed to make catch-up contributions to the retirement accounts. I have to say, um, you know, I won't give you a lot of my thoughts on the good and bad of this, but I'm definitely behind the $5,000 tax credit for informal caregivers. Um, In my job, I see a lot of caregivers who do not make a lot of money Um, who give up quite a bit to be able to provide that care. Um, Also, I would say to you that right now, one in four caregivers is a millennial. It's a younger person. It's a grandchild um, providing care and often giving up. Um, If you look at the statistics, people give up raises, they um, give up promotions, they take part-time jobs over full-time jobs. And um, so- that's that's the one thing I will tell you that as a gerontologist and somebody who's done elder law their entire life, um, I think we need to do something for some of the informal caregivers out there. Um, moving forward, also you also see there in bolded the able act. The able act is an act is an account that is used for people who have disabilities. So if you have a child who or a grandchild who has a disability, pr- uh, prior in the in the law they had to do a special needs trust. And then the able accounts came out, and what it did was it made they didn't have to pay me to do a trust; they could just establish an able account, which was really a great idea, because some people had just a little bit of money and it didn't make sense to go to the expense and formality of a trust. And basically, what they're what they're doing with that is expanding it. Um, obviously, some issues on the climate change, you know, moving forward. So the things that are highlighted are things that like we see a lot in our practices. Um, The corporate tax and income tax, again, this is still just his proposals, um, wanting to increase the tax rate from 21 to 28 percent. Remember, it was 35 in uh, 2017 and dropped all the way to 21 percent, creating a minimum tax on corporation with book profits of $100 million or higher um, and doubles the rate on global intangible low tax income which deals with foreign subsidiaries um, supports a clawback provision to force companies to return public investments. And again, I'm just going to kind of go over this. Um, this is in the powerpoints for you, um, and uh, the probably the one on there that is the most important offers tax credits to small businesses for adopting workplace retirement savings plans. So gives an estate. So. The exclusion was eleven million seven hundred thousand, or is wasn't wasn't that it was? It still is today. It is eleven million seven hundred thousand, and Biden uh, wanted President Biden wanted it to be reduced to three point five million dollars, and increase the tax rate from forty to forty five percent, which was a huge huge change. Now remember, the eleven point seven million dollars was due to sunset anyways in twenty twenty five, and it would go back to the pre levels just inflation index. And that would be, you know, depending on inflation, but, you know, back to seven or $8 million. So huge change in one year, but, uh, getting us close to what would have happened in 2025 unless other action was taken, um, cause it would have sunsetted. So I know I talked really fast through that. Um, The point of it is just to say, okay, we can't, you know, we're on this roller coaster of up and down and where are we going? I think it's helpful to say, this is what President Biden said was important to him and wanted to happen. Now we're going to switch to, this is what the Ways and Means Committee actually sent out. Now, we have to all know what is the House Ways and Means Committee. It is the committee that any tax legislation has to come out of you don't get introduced unless you come through the House Ways and Means Committee. It is the most prominent Democrats at this point in time saying, this is what we think it should be and that we think should, could get passed. There's always a combination between those two. So we're gonna talk about what came out of the House Ways and Means Committee. Understand that what happens is when it comes out of there, um, it then has to be voted on by the full House, which usually you wouldn't think that would be hard to get the full House to say yes. It is uh, controlled by the Democrats. This is influential Democrats saying this is what we think it should be. So in the House, probably going to go through relatively easily. In the Senate, we would see probably a little bit more negotiating, more changes, more traction. But typically, where we're not going to expect to see things added that weren't added we're going to see this change you know rates um some things changed but not not everything uh, moving forward so when we think about the time remember we talked about president biden and what was the impact of that um this is going to increase the federal revenues by by a little bit less although honestly when you talk in trillions of dollars i i it's all like it it doesn't make any you know it seems like Alphabet soup to me. I don't know. Um, it's kind of up there, but a little bit less, a trillion dollars, um, $2.1 trillion over the next decade. Um, $1 trillion dollars in expanded tax credits for individuals and businesses that result in a net revenue increase of just $1.06 trillion. I love the word only in there, only $1.06 trillion. Um, excluding tax revenue from increased tax compliance. Um, that would raise 8.862 billion over 10 years. Um, estate tax, estimate tax proposal to reduce the long run economic output by 0.98%. Um, so less of a reduction of the economic output. Um, and so it seems like it's not President Biden's plan. Um, it's kind of watered down a little bit, um, but you know this is what, what they're doing. So what's missing? Um, And to me, this is like the most important slide or one of them, what's missing? What's missing is losing the stepped up of bases at death. Um, So that would have affected every single person on here and their beneficiaries. Um, So it's interesting to me, people always get really excited that the exclusions moving from 11 million to 6 million. And yet most of the people that I work with every day, doesn't matter, they don't have 11 million and they don't have 6 million, Um, but some people do. But every one of us would be affected if, you know, I had stocks that I had bought at twenty thousand and they're now worth a hundred, and I get a step up in basis, and I die, and when my kids cash them in, they don't pay capital gains tax. That's a huge issue. So it affects everybody, whether you have fifty thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, or five million dollars, and so that's not in there. And what that means is that we would keep that step up in basis. Now, whether you agree with that or not, I'm just saying my point is that it affects every single person. Um, um, Now, the tax um, benefits of that, I I have no idea. And it may be that it's not really the best, you know, tax raising uh, effect um, to lose that step up in basis. And that, you know, may have been the reason. The federal estate tax exemption is going to drop, is proposed to drop to $6 million, not the 3.5 million that um, President Biden was suggesting. So for husband and wife, that's 12 million for, um, or 7 million. Um, And, you know, I know there are many people that can bump up against that $6 million. So just so you know, you may not feel it. You may say, we don't have that much money. But some of you have farms, some of you have businesses, if you add the farms, the businesses, um, if you add um, money that you have in your accounts, if you had life insurance, um, you can get to 6 million quicker than what you think you can. Um, And so for some people, you know, when I'm spending time with them, we're we're really maybe just looking out, where are we? Um, You know, do we need to start doing simple things like pattern gifting, start giving away $15,000 a year? Um, do we need to do something more advanced? Um, but that's that definitely, um, from my perspective, really good that it didn't go down to $3.5 million, um, because that really is going to affect a lot of the transfers of small businesses. And many of my clients are, are family-held small businesses that we're trying to get on to the next generation uh, moving forward. We don't have a 65% tax rate on some estates. Thank goodness. Uh, So uh, that's, I think anytime the tax rate goes over 50%, I I just, I just, I'm objecting to it. Um, Proposals to decrease lifetime gifting to a million. Again, you know, that would, what that means is that um, the federal tax exemption is the 6 million is what I can pass when I die. The gifting would make it so that I could only gift a million during life, that's, uh, there's, all, there's all kinds of reasons that people gift. And um, I'm glad to see that we don't have a, a hamper on being able to gift. Sometimes we're gifting businesses uh, to the next generation so that they can take the reins and reinvest and reinvigorate. There's all kinds of really good reasons to gift. Um, and then the limit on the annual exclusion on the donor. Um, so none of this is in the House Ways and Means Committee, uh, which is, I think, um, important. So what is in it? So now we're going to switch to this is what it says. Um, The corporate tax rate um, will have uh, graduated rates of 18% on the first $400,000 of income, 21% on income up to $5 million, and then 26.5% on income above that. Um, Majority thought the corporate rate would increase to no more than 25%. Now, the section 199 deduction, so again, that's a deduction, um, is amended by setting the allowable deduction at $500,000 uh, for joint or $10,000 for a truster in a state. Um, so trust and estates don't use that deduction as much um, moving forward. What about capital gains? With the max rate, uh, currently, right now, the max rate is 23.8%. It's actually 20% plus you have the 3.8 tax on net investment income. Now, you only pay that 3.8% if you go over the top of the thresholds. Um, Proposed, what's in the new uh, thing is 31.8%, which is 25% tax rate, plus a 3% surtax, which is new, and a 3.8% tax on net investment income. Um, So many many taxpayers will pay 28.8%. Um, moving forward. So the 3% surtax really only applies um, in excess of $5 million. So for the majority of people, that's not going to apply, but it's in there. Um, he, pre- President Biden proposed the increase, the effect of the date after the announcement that he talked about it, which was April of 2021. The House proposes the increase applies after 9-13-21. Um, history seems to indicate it'll be the date of the enactment any time they try to do it it before the date of enactment, there's always really good constitutional uh, law reasons that that could be challenged in court, to be honest with you. But I wanna go back here because this is a slide that could affect many people. Um, So if you have real estate that you've been thinking about selling, if you have stocks or bonds, um, basically after this passes, and it could be take effective 1231, Um, you know, you could be paying a higher capital gain. So I myself have a rental property and I have thought about uh, uh, selling it. And if I'm going to sell it, I would be smart to sell it this year prior to the passage of this, then wait um, and sell it later uh, because I'm going to lose a higher percentage um, to the capital gains tax. Um, So that's true of everybody that's on here. Um, I know there are people who thought about this since last April. I know of one person, a professional that I know who sold off all their rental properties um, because they wanted to create the tax burden while their rates were less. Um, So that's something that people need to think about. It's something that, you know, if it were me, I'd be talking to my financial advisor about my portfolio, particularly if I had singly held stocks. I'd want to know, you know, is there, is there things that I should be doing? Now, you always counter, don't ever make um, investment decisions just based on the tax law, always countering that with what's going on in the market. And your financial advisor would be the best person to, you know, talk to you about that. But I think this is one of the takeaways from today to think about, it, are you in a situation where that, that makes sense, um, that you want to do, um, that you want to think about how does that affect, Because for everybody who's holding on to real estate or stocks, the amount of money that we have to pay to liquidate it affects our retirement income. So if I have to pay a whole bunch of tax to liquidate something, um, I have less left over for my retirement income. Um, So anyone over that? Individual tax rates, we're going to increase the top rate from 37 to 39.6%. the House proposes to lower the highest income tax threshold to the 37%. So, um, you know, so right now it's at the 37%, but the way that they're kind of, I don't know, splitting the difference is adding that 3% surtax, which again only applies to the highest income individuals, those who have income over $5 million. Um, the 3% surtax does apply to all net income from pass through businesses. Um, And so that's $500,000 for joint filers, $400,000 for single filers. The effective date uh, for this is tax years after 1231. So some things in these proposals they're trying to say is effective the day this has passed. It's effective the day it came out of the House Ways and Means Committee, or it could be effective 1231, 2021. And for some of this, this may not pass until, you know, December 17th. Um, I remember way back in 2008, 2009, 2010, that year where uh, the, the, we were going to go back to a million dollars. And, you know, that legislation passed like December 17th. So you just don't know. Um, Salt deductions at your state and local income tax. That um, is um, basically the tax that, that says that Um, there's a $10,000 cap on what you can deduct in your state and local taxes on your federal return. Um, some of the leading proposals are talking about raising that to $40,000, but, um, the House Ways and Means Committee, what came out of there doesn't have anything specific regarding that. So that's here to stay probably. So the estate and gift tax, I already kind of talked about this, um, proposing it at $6 million. Um, and no clawback for the use of an increased exemption. Tax rate stays at 40%. What that no clawback means is that if you right now, let's say, had $20 million and you were single and you decided that you were going to give away $11 million of that to take advantage of the full $11.7 million, um, they would allow you to do that and not claw back. You give away the $11 million when you Pass away, it could only be a $6 million, but you got, rid of, you got away with it. Now, the problem with that for most clients is in order for that gifting to be helpful to you, you have to give away more than $6 million. Now, some people have already given some, but um, that always, you know, we talk about estate planning. Um, it's not as easy as just what tax law, what do I do to avoid the taxes? I've talked to clients who could gift that amount of money. And I've decided not to because, you know, they don't think that's good for their children. They don't think it's good for um, for their future plans. And, and there's there's a validity to that. Usually when I'm talking to people about that and we get into that conversation, um, a good answer to that is some sort of a charitable trust. Uh, because what that allows us to do um, with a charitable trust is it allows us to have the children still have or whoever your beneficiaries are um, still have the benefit of using the money and rather than that money going into taxes it can go into charities and for many people particularly people that i work with in north central pennsylvania um giving it to charities means keeping it local so whether or not i work with people that their big issues are homelessness or hunger um, or domestic violence, and rather than their tax dollars being sent off uh, to pick those charities um, moving forward. Of course, there's people who also have um, religious charities that they want to use, but I have to say, the majority of people, um, it's really a desire to keep it local. So if you were in this situation where you had a bunch of money and you could, but it feels uncomfortable, that's where, like, I wouldn't let the tax decide what I was gonna do. There's also nothing saying, you know, how, how, um, how long does this stay? You know, there's a part of me that says some of this is staying. Our country's so far in debt. Um, you know, we've had the issues with the debt ceiling um, during COVID, there were so many handouts um, that some of this is staying. But I also could say to you, you know what? I've been an attorney for 20 years. When I started this exclusion with $675,000, it went up to $3.5 It went down to $1 million. It went back up to you know, uh, $7 million. Then it went to $11 million. Now it's back down to $6 million. Um, Is it going to bounce again? I don't know. Um, I don't know. So that's why for me, I think it's really important that everybody knows about these tax law changes, but they're just one factor in making your retirement and estate planning decisions. It's a good time to think about it and talk it through. But I definitely wouldn't be on the bus of, you have to do this, uh, uh, because we don't know how long it changes, how long it's going to stay. We also just don't know what the total outcome is going to be. This is something that through the Senate could be changed. It could be increased um, when we see the final bill. Portability is expected to be continue to be between spouses. That means that if I pass away and I only use two million dollars of my six million dollars of, of exclusion, I can port that four million over to my husband. Um, we do a lot of that at our office. They're not perfect rules because what if you get remarried? Um, I, I do have to tell you guys. I had to call one of our one of my clients and I just told her, "You, if this passes, you cannot get remarried." <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but you know, just you know, just kind of thinking about those things. Um, one of the things that is changing is the gift and estate chassis for grantor trusts. And at our office, if we did a trust for you, there's a high, high, high likelihood that it's a grantor trust. Um, now, many of those trusts that we do, we want them to be included in the federal estate. But there are trusts that we've done for people that are grantor trusts that we did that so it would not be included in your federal estate. Um, And they are changing the rules for that. And I'll get more in depth about that. Um, There's also sales between grantors and grantor trusts. um, And that is being um, um, eliminated through this, but I would say the opposition is expected to be strong. If there was something that I thought might stay in That's it. We do a lot of that um, sales as we're um, passing on family businesses to the next generation. Um, And usually when you're attacking family small businesses, there is a lobby, something that might stop that. So it's interesting, Uh, we'll see what happens. Modifying the estate tax valuation rules to ignore discounts from um, partial ownership for lack of a control of an an asset. So let's say you have a business that's worth a million dollars If I gifted or sold 15% of that, that 15% really isn't worth $150,000, at least in my mind, because the person doesn't control it. They don't control the business. They don't own over 50%. So 49% of a business is worth a lot less than 51% of a business. Um, What they're trying to do is get rid of that minority discount. They've tried this before, Um, I have to say that this is something that I'm personally against because it actually makes common sense. Um, If I were to buy 49% of a business, I'd be willing to pay a lot less for it than 51% of the business. Um, Now, you could call me a control freak, (laughs) Um, but just, I mean, I think that that's, I think that's grounded. And, you you know, sometimes we're selling minority interests, not to family members, but to key employees. Um, And I think that, that's something that's going to have to be thought about. But for the grantor trust, um, you know, basically um, what happens is they're, um, they're sometimes called intentionally defective grantor trusts, where um, the grantor, that is the person that, that made the trust and put the gift in there, um, still retains the tax for it. So I take, you know, $5 million and I put it into a grantor trust and it still comes out on my social security number, and I still pay the tax on it. Used to be able to do that. We've done it uh, for lots of reasons, Um, but that is the type of thing um, that they're trying to get rid of. So basically they would be um, triggering a gift tax, both on paying that tax, but also any distribution um, that went out of it if the recipient is unless the recipient is the uh, grantor's spouse or discharge is an obligation. Like you have a minor child, that would be an obligation. Um, So this is concerning um, that they're going to, you know, try to get rid of these types of trusts that are used quite quite often, to be honest with you. Um, Now, the biggest part for me is that the law, the way it's written right now, it doesn't really tell me which grantor trust. So I use grantor trust at my office for people that were avoiding for nursing home care. And I use it for completed gifts for federal estate tax planning. Um, so most tax advisors previously inferred that the grantor trust of the legislation would only apply to grantor's trust created after the date of enactment and gifts made after the date of enactment to the grantor trust. That means that if I did one of these grantor trusts for you and um, it's already funded, that it should be okay. Um, We don't know that. It really doesn't explain that it's not well-written. Now, part of that, it's not not law yet. It's just coming out of the House Ways and Means Committee. But sometimes, recently, things aren't well-written and then they have unintended consequences. It happened in Pennsylvania when they um, passed the farm exemption from inheritance tax and they didn't write it well and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. There was a lot of unintended consequences. Sometimes the the, the administrative office that's enforcing the law doesn't really care about the, admin, the legislative intent. So for me, what I hope in all of this is that it's really well written and thought through and some of these gaps are filled in um, moving forward. Um, so it does clarify that it's going to it's going to apply to any post enactment transfers. So if we already have a trust, if we wanted to put anything else into it, um, we would have to uh, be able to do that. Um, so I love the the footnote. The footnote on nine thirty three. It says a technical correction may be necessary to reflect this intent. Will mm-hmm. they just make the change? <laughs> So you guys listen, I like tax. I like reading all this stuff. It, you know, gets my, gets me all excited and stuff, but I do like it to be correct. And so I wish they would just they would just do that. But just to kind of give you an idea of what are some like grant or trusts that we would use for. Uh, so a GRAT, a grant or retain annuity trust, um, a qualified personal residence trust, slats, a, a spousal limited access trust. So we've done a lot of spousal limited access trusts over the years. Islets, irrevocable life insurance trusts. Um, So um, they're they're trusts that we may or may not be able to continue to do or may not be able. Now, we can still do it. um, They're not changing the trust law. Like, I'm still allowed to do it. But often we were doing like an irrevocable life insurance trust in order to get that out of the person's estate while still paying the premium. Um, And so this is, you know, maybe attacking that in some way. Um, That's important for people. If we put these things together, if you came into my office and you had, you know, over the $6 million and you wanted to retain control, an irrevocable life insurance trust with some life insurance is always a good idea. Um, Also, it's really important when you put these things together, if you have a small business, and you've bought life insurance, remember that that life insurance can come back into the estate. When you did it, if you met with me a few years ago, it was $11 million. I wasn't all that concerned, but today with the 6 million, I could be more concerned if this passes. Um, So other changes. Um, So for retirement, um, you would increase the RMDs. That's the required minimum distribution. That's the distribution you have to take from your um, IRA from age 72 to age 73 in 2022, 74 in 2029, and 75 in 2032. It's interesting to me, this flies, you know, directly in the face of what, what they did during the secure act In the secure act, if you pass away, your beneficiaries now have to take the money out within 10 years. Um, and now they're saying, but, um, if it's your retirement, you're still alive. You don't have to make the required minimum distribution. It does allow catch-up contributions. So um, contributions of higher amounts, and that would increase it from 6500 to 10000 and from 3000 to 5000 for simple plans. So allowing people who are 62 to 64 to put more money, um, take that deduction. Um, automatic enrollment for 401k and 403b plans must be at least 3% of the pay with a 1% increase each year up to at least 10%. So huge change there. Um, Expect proposals to be included in the 2021 reconciliation bill or otherwise enacted. Starting in 2023, there was talk about employers with five or more employees uh, would be required to offer uh, employees IRAs or 401 plans. So I know some people on here are small businesses. Um, I have heard, I haven't seen it officially. Um, I have heard that on Fox News, they talked about that this was off the table. Um, but none of my official sources have said that yet. Um, but that's what happens with this. Um, but interesting to me, uh, because I think of some small businesses, you know, I own one business where the employees really don't want the 401k or the IRA plan, um, and they're expensive to administer. So it depends on the type of company. Um, so, um, and obviously if people fail to comply with it, um, they would be, they would face a tax. So, not sure what's happening with some of these retirement changes. Um, so we're always worried about um, Roths, Roth IRAs and what happens there. Um, this new proposal could eliminate Roth conversions for both IRAs and 401ks eligibles for singles with taxable incomes over 400000 or married over four hundred fifty. dollars um, Provides all employees after tax contributions and qualified plans and prohibits after-tax IRA contributions from being converted to IRAs, Roth IRAs, regardless of the income level. I think we kind of knew that something was going to happen with a Roth IRAs, so they're they're limiting um, Roth IRAs in some ways uh, moving forward. Although interestingly, you know, if you have a Roth, that means that you've probably done a conversion, you've paid the tax on it, it continues to go tax-free. Um, but when you pass away, your loved ones still have to take it out. Um, and They're still subject to the 10 year rules of taking it out. So, so what's the timing? Um, when will these changes happen? I don't know. I wish I did, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, expect to become part of the fiscal budget reconciliation bill. We had anticipated originally November or December. You know, it's already November. Uh, you know, I think things got stalled by the debt ceiling, um, and the infrastructure bills. But um, only 51 votes are needed to pass this legislation in the Senate, um, and um, you know, they're you know they, they seem to be confident enough to go right to the Senate floor with it. So, could it be effective January 1st? Um, you know, as I went through, I kind of talked about certain provisions were tied to the date of announcement, the nine thirteen, um, the committee action or the enactment date. Um, I would say to you, anything that tries to not grandfather this, like tries to enact it prior to the actual date of enactment will be legally challenged by somebody. Um, there's always some thought of that. Um so, you know, the capital gains tax increase was proposed by the Biden administration to apply at the date of announcement, which is April 2021. It's proposed by the House to apply to sales occurring after 9 13. I do not think it's going to happen in, as of April 2021. Um, whether it's 9 13 or the actual date of enactment, I don't know. That's important though when we talk about do you create capital gains now? Well, the reality of it is. Um, Income tax rates are going up. So um, even if it is um, occurring after nine thirteen and you sell after that, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to go up. So um, historically proposed effective dates for capital gains have been the date of enactment. That's when it's actually signed, not these previous dates, um, which I don't know, not just be like, that seems what's most fair, right? So um for everybody, you know, if you want uh, to schedule an appointment to talk about your specific situation, you um, you can um, visit chat with SGY. You also can call our office and talk to Kelsey. Um, so in my situation with this, um, I'm not here to say that every one of you needs to talk to me. My job today, I like to keep my clients informed about um, this is out here. I'm hoping to give you some information to say, does this matter to you at all? Um, and if you want to talk to me about your specific situation, I'm happy to do that. Um, for some people, we've actually just talked over the phone. I have your file in front of me. We talk about your situation. You ask me, you know the questions that you have. I'm happy to answer those questions. For other people, they've wanted an in-person sit down and I've um, sat and talked to them about their situation. Sometimes it happens with that, they actually had other things that they were thinking about and they wanted to talk about, um, you know, moving forward. I do have some people that are going to move forward with some gifting, um, some sales um, that weren't, you know, that had been thinking about it and now we're going to get that done. But my job really um, today, what I was hoping to do is just offer to you, um, here's a slice of it. Of course, when the law passes, we'll also talk to you about it. But um, I didn't wanna wait until the law passed because you know some of this stuff, if you wanna do it and take care of it, you're talking about between now and the date of enactment or now and the date of the end of the year um, to be helpful to you. I know some of you on here don't necessarily work with me. You may work with another attorney at the office um, and you can certainly work with them. Um, If you call the office and talk to Kelsey or Sam, they'll make sure that you get with the right person um, moving forward. So with that, in the chat with sgy.com, you can go on there if you just actually want to make your own appointment and not talk to anybody. Um, Although I'm sure somebody will call you back and talk to you about it. (laughs) Um, Assume protector trusts are also grantor trusts. Yes, Peter, you are correct. Um, protector trusts are grantor trusts by design. Um, And that's the real real issue with this is this law is not designed to go after protector trusts, but the way that it's written, I'm not sure what happens. Now I've thought it through. Let's say this law does apply to protector trusts. That's okay. Um, I think what it means is that you'll have to do an extra tax return every year so not phenomenal, but um, you still get to use it, right? Um, and um, I think what what happens then is it's just included in your federal estate, which usually we wanted that anyway. So as long as you're doing a protector trust for nursing home planning and you're way below the $6 million, I think that still works. Um, but that is the unintended consequence I was talking about. Um, I think the people that write this legislation, you know, I'll just tell you guys, it used to be years ago with legislation, both state and federally, um, that they would go to experts in the field and they would ask them about stuff, right? Um, And if they had went to a bunch of elder law and estate planning attorneys, we would have told them the differences in these trusts. Um, But today they don't do that. They They don't do the hearings with the experts like they used to. And this is one of the things that happens because of that. Um, And I I honestly think that's unfortunate. Um, And I don't even just mean with a tax law, you could talk about a law with dementia. I think you should be talking to the leading doctors that do that. Um, I think it's a step they should put back in the legislative process. But enough about how I feel. Um, uh, Another question through the (laughs) chat. So what is the tax implications if the changes do go through, if a gift is made from a grantor trust to a child who is not a minor. Yeah, so what's gonna happen there is uh, that distribution is now gonna be considered a gift. And you could have this situation where it's a double gift taxation. So when I put it into the, into the grantor trust, I could have paid a gift tax. And what the legislation's then doing is making it a gift again and that creates a problem because the whole reason that we gift the first time often is to remove it from the federal estate tax. Um, and as it grows, so if I took if I took something that was worth, let's say, $100,000 and I put it into this trust, I'm only using a gift of $100,000. Let's say that thing then goes up to being worth two fifty, dollars and then I distribute it. There, the federal government's coming back and saying, we're going to take the 250 as the gift. And so um, it's double taxation, really. And it, it, and it avoids the whole purpose of doing some of those completed gift grantor trusts that we had done. Julie, really, can um, you talk about the downside of having a revocable trust as beneficiary of retirement accounts? Funny. I could talk for an hour and a half about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, we always, so for any retirement account, it's really important that we think about, um, who the beneficiary is and if anything, the secure act made that more difficult. Um, and so when, if we just had, uh, if you just name, um, a revocable trust as the beneficiary, a couple things can happen. One thing that can happen is we will use the um, the time horizon, the payout of the um, least amount, the, the least amount that's there. So if I have some people that are ten year people, like my kids, or else I also have a special needs trust, which could be across their life expectancy, I'm stuck with the ten. But worse is if it's not done correctly, um, I could I could have a tax. I could have a, a life expectancy of 0 which means if I have a million dollar IRA and it's set up incorrectly for an estate or a trust what happens is is it's all taxed in one year and you pay a lot higher tax rates because it's all taxed in one year and that's a real problem uh, moving forward I have an appointment with a, with a client this week that all we're going to do is look at exactly how the beneficiaries are done and are they done correctly? So I wouldn't go so far to say that you can't do it, but uh, you definitely don't wanna just name a revocable living trust as that that tier. Um, It got a lot more complicated after the SECURE Act. Is it better to convert an IRA to the Roth? Um, Not for everybody. Um, For some people that's something that they can look at, but it depends on your particular circumstance, like how much money you're making now um, but what I could say to you, that's a good question to ask right now, because if I was going to convert into a Roth, this would be the year I would do it before these tax law changes go into effect, and I pay higher rates. Alrighty, well again, I appreciate your guys' time. Um, it's good to see many of you. Uh, well, it's good to see all of you, but many of you I recognize, and I know I have worked with for a long time. Um, and it is um What I like to do with my time is continue to work with the people that I've built relationships with. But our goal uh, with this, or my goal personally with this, is to take care of the clients that we already have to make sure that we have time to talk to them and make good decisions for them. And again, I think sometimes uh, many of you may be on here and say, you know what, I don't need to do anything. And I think that that's good for you to know. Because uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think if if I uh, took 45 minutes of your time or an hour of your time, and you're like, you know what, I'm pretty good with mine, I don't have to do anything. I think that's a thumbs up. And I think that that was worth your time um, and worth my time to make sure you felt that way.